welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. conversation with smut writer and exhibitionist gem cut all about the anarchy behind the queer deconstruction of eroticism and sexuality together we talk about reckoning with queer bodies the personality type of an exhibitionist and expanding our understanding of sex this is such a fun episode if you want to learn more about queer culture about cruising about the hanky code and so much knowledge about queer history and culture this is the episode for you i love all the resources and wisdom that gem brought onto the space it was such a pleasure just to hear all the ways that they are embodying their full expression of authenticity y'all are really gonna enjoy this episode i hope you tune in Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Do you have any questions about the podcast specifically that I can answer? Um, I mean, not particularly. I guess I was kind of interested or I was talking with a couple of friends about it. I think, and I feel like I, I kind of sent this an email, but kind of curious about where or like how you define anarchy in the podcast. Ooh, yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. I define it as anyone who's defining their culture's status quo. Right, which could mean a lot of different things, I think. Like, um, I know I've talked with people who have defied Mormon culture, and you know, like within that culture, there's specific things that I I would call anarchy, right? To like defy that and build your own path. So I think whatever that is to the person. And I also love to just be like, I, I take up a lot of space. I just want to see what other people define it as. That's why I ask ah. other people to nominate because then mm. like in theory, I'm also not defining it. Each person defines it. So like Z defined it nominating you and you'll define it by who you nominate, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. That's Yeah, great. it's fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Yeah. Was that the main one? Yeah. That, that's the main one. Sure. Um, and and I'm curious what you have to ask me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, tell me. So then tell me, I know you mentioned you have multiple jobs. I do. Do you want to tell me I what do. they are? Sure, yeah, I would love to. Um, so the easy one that I tell people who are, you know, not familiar with the smut writing that I do uh, mm-hmm. or like porn that I make is I'm like, oh, I work in a warehouse. Manual labor. I like used to do office jobs uh, and couldn't do it. And so for the past five or so years, I've pretty much always had a manual labor job, which I really like, Mm -hmm. actually, because it's a way to have my mind to myself a little bit. So I work in a wood shop. I work using, you know, 
sometimes a forklift or like packing boxes or that kind of thing and really like and basically the entire time whenever it's safe to do so <laughs> I have um these headphones on and I'm listening to like audiobooks or podcasts or like yeah. voice notes that I leave for myself that I like will use for uh like first drafts of, of writing projects or like yeah. ideas for projects with friends and so I like being able to have yeah, like my mind to myself. Yeah. Yes. Um, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Which is, which is really cool. So I do that. And that's the like, you know, not super glamorous one. <laughs> um, and that, I mean, none of them are very glamorous, but sure. uh, I also, I do some figure modeling sometimes mm-hmm. for like art students. Another situation where I get to have my mind to myself and like embody myself kind of differently. And like, I think it's important, like that was one. And I think these are like kind of inroads into the more the context that Zeno's me into. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm interested in like, I don't know, as, as a queer person, as a like trans non-binary person, like thinking about how in my like body is, you know, kind of like reckoned with in a public and private way. And so like uh, figure modeling was like really important for me as like a kind of like step there of being yeah. like, and I think this is true in like porn work too, but like, that traditionally like we think about the power structure as like the person whoever's drawing you um or whoever is like viewing you or Mm -hmm. filming you or um you know in these different contexts like has a lot of power and that's true and that can definitely be abused but for me personally and also I'm an exhibitionist so I'm sure it's probably not to sexualize that job but like as a person yes yes Um, yes but (laughs) But it really does feel like when I'm, when I'm working like that, and sometimes in a more sexual context too, but like, even in a non-sexual way, uh, with a more traditional, like, art context, it feels like I'm really like, asking whoever's rendering me in whatever (laughs) format to like, yeah, to like reckon with me and try to like, figure out how to present me, which is like, interesting to me, even as someone who like, you know, is often read as cis. And like, I have a lot of like, you know, I'm like a, pretty thin white person like there's like a lot of things that are like really legible I think but even small things like the way that I hold myself is like not Mm -hmm. the way that and again background in in figure modeling was like not the way that the like feminine poses are held or whatever Mm -hmm. and like body hair and that kind of stuff is like Mm -hmm. really small and (laughs) the cat cat. it's the time hi fat cat Mm -hmm. You're saying anyway, the hair. Yeah, the hair. Yeah, hair and like how you hold yourself and all of these things. Like mm. again, kind of like least of all for me. Or like I I notice this with me. And then of course it's like for people whose like bodies are even further outside of like what people are expecting to see or like familiar with or feel comfortable with or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so it's like more of a more of a reckoning. But yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, I'm I'm curious with the word reckoning. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like that word is referring to? I so I really feel like it's it's again, yeah, this mostly came out of the figure modeling work where mm-hmm. and I think that's the most like, I don't know, where you can like take this idea or where I take it and run with it is because it is really literal. It's like I would be watching someone look at me and like struggle mm-hmm. <laughs> to get the image down, you know, and, and like, like struggle face. Mm, yeah, yeah. Wow. And I see students be kind of frustrated or being like you know erasing things and getting it wrong um and trying again or like you know making Mm. drawings and then teachers going around and being like 
does this model actually look like that? Or walking around and being like, oh, wow, that doesn't look like me at all, you know? And like, so that was really interesting. And I think that I like to, I think that was like a more concrete version for me that I think of like, as a queer person out in the world, again, even with like, with all of the privileges that I hold and like how I move through the world, there is also a like, uh, a way that I feel when I'm when I'm walking through a like mm. really cis space or a yeah. really like straight space and being like instead of feeling like oh all these people are looking at me um or like picking me apart or like they know what they're seeing mm-hmm. feeling this more honestly more confrontational um mm. approach and being like actually you have to like like you have to look at me mm. like you have to look close and I think that that it takes a lot of like power back which is interesting to me I feel like this is a conversation that I have with a lot of friends in the like kink world or whatever when we talk about right we can talk about like what is like dominance and what is submission yeah. and like what kind of acts are like traditionally seen as submissive or dominant and right. I think again <laughs> truly not to sexualize that job but like the um exhibitionism as not just a like oh a thing that turns you on necessarily but also as a way of like being in the world and yeah. like again a thing that like like I talk about this with potential play partners and things about like, you know, like what should sure. be humiliating, like, oh, exhibitionism or like being exposed or something like it's supposed right. to be something that is like really disempowering. But I think for a lot of people, um, and I know for myself, it can feel actually like, yeah, really powerful to be like now, now people have to look at you. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds like it's a reversing of the power dynamic going from that you know, the artist that's struggling with it to instead being like, no, you look at me and deal with this amazing person in front of you. You know what I mean? Like that is a huge power flip to take that back. And so, yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, yeah, that's been really important for me. Um, Oh yeah. And I think like informs how I move through spaces even outside of that again just like a menial job that I had because I was like oh I need something again where I can have my brain to myself and then I was like oh actually this is changing how I'm thinking about things oh yeah because the problems of society are everywhere showing up in these little like experiences like this that add up over time Mm -hmm. and how we see ourselves yeah 100% definitely and I think what's interesting to me too is like I feel really lucky that the um I live in Philadelphia and the yeah. like neighborhood that I live in the friends who I have like almost everyone is trans um which is amazing and great right. and and it also leads to some like situations that I think are interesting or like thinking about what kinds of work people take also in terms of bodies is like most of the figure models I know how I got into it is like a couple friends who are trans were like oh I had this job it pays okay if you want and a couple of them have been working in these same for these same schools like while after they had top surgery like while they started HRT like Mm. and anyway and this is like not necessarily super related to to everything I do it's all important it's all important yeah well I think again it's that like thinking of the reckoning right like thinking Mm -hmm. of like people having to like (sighs) I mean um having to like change what they are yeah having to like reckon with you and like yeah work with something yeah. that they're not familiar with right exactly something that's you know defined their understanding of the world which is causing them discomfort that they need to get over totally yeah yeah which is you know and it's also asking a lot of the in that situation which again I think you yeah. can like expand from is asking a lot of the model too because of course it can yeah. be like the way that people look can be really violent and like really intense right. but if there are even those small moments of being able to 
reframe that discomfort in a place of like, oh, I'm making you uncomfortable actually, instead of like, you are being really hostile to me. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like the difference almost between like victim using like, this is happening to me versus I am causing this to you. Totally. It is a power switch there. Yeah. And I think it's something that, you know, that, that is not going to be applicable to every situation, of course. course, And like, also it's real that like, yeah, that you like can be a victim in that situation. But if you're able to make that shift. So if, you yeah, to reframe a different positive, like it's a more positive way to look at that situation, which is obviously horrible, right? Mm-hmm. But in the reality of the horribleness, like what is within our control is our ability to see the situation and make meaning of it. So yeah, I think that's an important thing and an important perspective. I'm curious too, because you talked a little bit about being an exhibitionist Mm -hmm. and not in a sexual way and it being a personality type. I'd be really curious to hear more about what that means for you. Yeah, totally. Um, So I think that, I think it's something I can turn on. Like I can be a shy person, which is kind of hilarious to some of my friends because I can be also very, like really not shy. Um, Sure, sure. But I think that, I think it's it's related to that conversation of being like, I often feel like my most powerful or like in my body and in myself and like sure of myself, if I'm like, I don't know, exposed in some way, which doesn't For have sure. to be, which I like, you know, would love to talk about in the context of like sex and kink and like, because I, I write smut and like do some yeah. porn and like that's yeah. really important to me. But, um, but I think it can also apply to like, you know, before I was writing smut, I was writing a lot of poetry and like doing a lot of poetry readings. And like one of the places where I felt the most powerful was like on stage performing. Mm, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, it's the same thing. Mm. <laughs> like, it's just exposing yourself. Um, and I think that that can also go for like, I don't know, approaching the world with a kind of openness of like sharing yourself. I think that that is a kind of exhibitionist tendency. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I also think like, oh, sorry, no, please. I was like, I like where this is going. We're getting all the qualities. Like if you have this quality, you might be an exhibitionist. (laughs) I'm like, yes. And inside I'm like, check, check. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's true. And I also think like now I'm going to take it into a place where just what I've been thinking about a lot recently is like, well, okay. So not necessarily like visibility, although it's related, but like contact. Mm -hmm. So I am a nerd for Samuel Delaney as a lot of queers are. Who is this? Oh, excellent. This is is my favorite game. (laughs) Am I ready? What are the rules? What are the rules? (laughs) Just, just watch Jem pull books off the shelf, but I won't. I'm ready. I'm ready. Run into the other room. Um, So Samuel Delaney is a, um, he lives in Philly, but he's a gay writer who wrote a lot of science fiction and a lot of like really radical stuff um he's a black science fiction writer and Mm -hmm. has been publishing really prolifically since like oh I'm gonna get all the dates wrong but 70s 80s um and so he's really famous for that and he's also really famous for his or whatever is like uh important for a lot of people um for his writing on uh public sex and gay life and queerness and so he has this book called times for red times for blue that's essentially about the importance of like queer cruising, specifically for gay men um, mm-hmm. in New York prior to all of like porn theaters getting shut down in Times Square. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
he has a few. Yeah, sorry. Could you explain cruising to someone who might not know what that term means? Absolutely. I would love. So that's bringing us back to the idea of like looking. Cruising is, I mean, I guess in its most basic form, it's just like looking for sex essentially. And so historically, uh, it's especially with queers, but I suppose it could be for anyone, um, is a way of like signaling to other people um, that you are seeking or interested. Um, Mm -hmm. And so making contact, maybe having sex, maybe having Mm -hmm. some kind of like encounter. And so this looks like, well, it looks a lot of different ways, but one way that I think people recognize is like the hanky code for you should yeah, probably explain that as well. Yeah, Totally. I would yeah. love to. So the hanky code um, is something that, again, huge hat tip to gay men. It's a, it's a whole code where you'd have different colored hankies that mean different things. And you can also signal what you're looking for based on which pocket you wear your hanky in. So your right side is receptive and your left side is giving. Uh, and so, for instance, if you were wearing a black hanky, a black hanky means heavy S&M. Um, and so that could be like a lot of impact that could be like some degradation stuff or like intense pain. It can mean a lot of different Mm -hmm. things. Um, and so if you're wearing it on your right side, that means that you want to receive these things, all of these sensations or dynamics or like bottoming, which again is more like receptive. Mm -hmm. Uh, and if you wear it on your left side, then you're saying that you are maybe a more dominant person who wants to do these things to another person. Or like, so that's black and then, you know, red is fisting. And so it's like, if you have it on your right side, you want to get fisted. If you have it on your left side, you want to fist someone. And then Mm -hmm. there's this kind of whole elaborate code um, that goes for a bunch of different colors and positions. And so I think the crews are bringing it back. I'm pumped about it. But um, again, historically and (laughs) contemporarily, um, it's it's a way to signal people that you're like seeking sex and seeking contact Mm -hmm. um and and you know there's other ways too I think people think about cruising as like you know it's kind of a a a joke almost for in like queer social circles with being like you know making gay eye contact of being like you see that person and like are you Mm -hmm. think so you know Mm -hmm. like making eyes across the cafe or the bar the Mm -hmm. park and then I think that you know there's again all this like really actually sophisticated way of communicating without saying anything at first, like nonverbal communication. And then Mm -hmm. the like initial conversations can be careful and then super direct. And like, there's constant negotiation of like consent and interest and like respecting boundaries and everything. But it is this like, again, cruising generally just a way for like looking for sex in public. Um, Yeah. In a way that's not, which I am personally interested in. I I was thinking of things Well, I think that it's like, you know, out of the closets and into the streets, not into the apps is how I feel. Okay, (laughs) we'll say more. I'm very curious. Yeah, yeah, because apps are horrible. They are. They're terrible. And I think that like one reason that they're terrible is that they're really like atomizing. I think that they really isolate us. And again, it doesn't have to be like, what is sex? Who knows? If you want to have someone beat you up in a consensual way, is that sex? Who knows? Contact. Um, and so pleasure exactly and it makes totally and it makes it makes this kind of like sexual life really really private and like individual in a way that it didn't it wasn't always that Mm, way especially for queers and so it's taking it away from this like more public sphere of like the joy of like 
sharing eye contact in a public place mm -hmm. right or like where you're with friends maybe or like you don't necessarily know this person or they're seeing how you move through the world rather than like you are just the the sum of whatever you put in a profile you know yeah yeah no I agree um, and this is oh and one thing that I think is also really important is that and this is partially why I bring up Samuel Delaney in terms of looking also again because if you're cruising then you're um looking and that can mean you know you could be listening too but you're like interacting with people yeah is that oh so Delaney has this theory in Times Square Red Times Square Blue where he's talking about essentially like the importance of cruising spaces having to do with like a larger social good um mm. which doesn't have to be it can just be for pleasure but is that like cruising areas like porn theaters or like parks that were traditionally cruising grounds or whatever yeah are places where people have like close contact with people who they wouldn't necessarily run into mm -hmm. yeah sure. um yeah and that like sex was a way for in his case like gay men to like socialize make bonds have experiences um community. across yeah or something like community something even yeah. if it's just yeah even mm -hmm. if it's just about pleasure but like and you don't know each other's names but it's a cross-class cross-racial like yeah and like and it's a place that I think if those kind of like interactions, if like, honestly, if sex is like just kind of cordoned off into like an online space, then people are much less likely to, yeah, to like just encounter people mm -hmm. yeah, and like, and see whatever chemistry there, have whatever kind of interaction um, and are much more likely to, you know, have all their filters on for like what kind of age group they want to see, like in some of the apps, like what kind of body type you want to see, you know, or yeah. like, if people are listing their education, like maybe you're a person who went to college who only wants to sleep with people who went to college, which is kind right. of, maybe you should interrogate that. But like there's, anyway, and so in a public space, like those things fall away and mm. you get to interact with people and see people for like outside of all of these like markers that yeah. um, otherwise you can use to filter people out. So yeah. I think those are really, really important spaces. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm really thinking about that idea of being able to meet people out in public and feel an energy, feel a persona, feel a person out without knowing, yeah, the specifics of age, education level, whether they okay. smoke, if they have had, if they have kids, you know, the whole thing. It's just, it is very interesting to be in a time where now people's mating friend choices even now since bumble friends now even stuff like that too oh man People yeah making decisions based on like already knowing your like kind of resume to a degree which is just yeah yeah Very which really totally and it really plays along class lines in a way yeah. that is like, oh a hundred percent yeah that's like really upsetting I think and like concerning yeah and I wow. think that um again like it doesn't have to be this way but like sex like can be a way to break that down and I think that there are like my vision of the world <laughs> it yes. like would be like yeah like public sex could be more of a thing there's a there's a project from some folks in uh Minneapolis that is oh wait actually there's two there's two like quotes that I have in my head I have kind of a terrible memory so it's okay you're good I'm with you, have <laughs> <laughs> you. Yeah. one of them I don't remember the exact quote, but I uh -huh. do recommend looking up is um, from Dean Spade, who I think a lot of people are familiar with. He's a, a trans writer and theorist and academic, um, and he writes about a lot of things. Uh, he was famous or like was uh, more well-read this past couple of years because he has a really great dean on, um, again, he's like an academic who 
writes academic papers, also sure. has a like zine culture background um, awesome. and has a zine on mutual aid that was going, making the rounds. It's really great. Highly recommend. And he has another one, but it's on polyamory, which I thought you might be interested in. Hi. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. The zine is called For Lovers and Fighters, Relationship Anarchy. Yes, yeah, I'm studying that, for my dissertation. I need to speak to this. You person. really must. Yeah, truly, truly great. So yeah, and and he like is an anarchist and is writing about relationship anarchy again. Like has a lot of like political stuff. You should you should really get in touch. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, and so in it, he's talking about you know, uh, and I think a lot of like relationship anarchy is is thinking about like not ranking people, right? Not being like, oh, this is my primary partner, and this is my secondary partner, and this is my like comet which is one person mm-hmm. I see only once there's, there's a lot of polyamory yeah. terms that yep. are out there yep. which is great you know people should have them if they work for them that's great and I think like his approach and like a lot of like anarchists approach to relationships would also be would be something that like really does break that down where like there aren't necessarily any like preconceived notions or like rules yes for how you're going to interact with someone exactly and that can mean looking like you know having a romantic and sexual relationship with someone and being open to having romantic and sexual relationships as they happen in your life. In addition, it can also mean like, you know, prioritizing non-sexual relationships and like friendships in the same way or however feels natural to that relationship rather than like automatically being secondary. Mm -hmm. So those things are true. And I think people cite that theme often for those reasons. But what's beautiful to me about particularly how Dean Spade lays out relationship anarchy is that it does ripple out and so he's talking mm. about like oh, it's this really beautiful part I really wish I, I wish I had in front of me but he's saying that like on the train he'll try to or like in public spaces he'll try to look at people and imagine what that person looks like to someone who loves them I try to do uh, yeah 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 and like and that it becomes a practice and so like mm-hmm. you look at people who you really don't like you know, you might even really have like a lot of animosity towards someone and like still it being important to try to imagine what that person looks like to someone who really loves them. Mm-hmm. And that that is something that just is humanizing and yes. like makes you softer to the world in a way yes. that's really important. And so I think I'm thinking of that idea. And then I'm also thinking of, I don't want to just keep making a whole bibliography, but there's this. Um... I'm, I'm down. I'm learning so much right now. So please <laughs> feed me. I mean, this is important information. I didn't, I've never heard this person. So. This is great. Keep so. going. I'm taking okay, notes. Amazing. I'm so glad. I'm like, this is also, I was no. like, oh, we're going to have a conversation. These are just the things that I talk about. So here we no, go. This is great. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> so one person who is a friend I know personally, um, Zach Osma made a uh, with uh, this other uh, person, Alice Martin, in 20, oh man, I'm going to get, I don't remember, the, a few years ago, published The Selected Diaries of Lou Sullivan. So he's considered the first, this is not true, of course, because people have existed forever, but in terms of like historical records in the US um, and like medical records specifically, he's considered the first out gay trans man. And so, yeah, so he was, he died of AIDS in the 90s and left behind a whole lifetime of meticulous uh, diaries. Really wonderful, really special. Yeah. And like one reason that they're important is because, um, again, these are just like real footnotes, but important footnotes until basically until Lou Sullivan got treated. But 
well into the 90s, 80s and 90s, um, it was impossible. You would be refused care if you were, I mean, not that this doesn't still happen, um, but mm-hmm. trans people, if they were gay, if they weren't mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm a trans man who's interested in women. If you were a trans man who was interested in men, or if you were yeah, a trans woman yeah. who was interested in women, yeah. you would be refused care because of homophobia and transphobia, um, a good combo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think again, and also there was this like image of like, for instance, yeah, with trans mass people, like taking, like being like, oh, this person like used to be, and of course, like, obviously this is not accurate, but like used to be a butch lesbian. And now we're making like a straight man, you know, is the idea behind that logic for care, uh, which is really fucked up. Um, And so it, yeah, in order to receive care, a lot of trans men Mm -hmm. um, who were gay would like, they couldn't say that. And Mm -hmm. Lou Sullivan was a, um, a white man from like middle class background, had a lot of, again, like a lot of things going for him already or like stacked in his favor. And so, and he like refused to deny that he was gay and like interested in men anyway and so his his diaries are really important because I think until yeah media representation has really changed in the last few years and it's easy at least in the circles that I run in it's easy to take for granted that like oh of course all the trans boys are gay (laughs) like you know like that actually but like so many um but like that literally it was thought that this was like didn't exist like was impossible or like or just some really twisted uh, transphobic thinking of like how why would you if you're interested in men then like why don't you just like not get like the care that you need so that you can like stay yeah straight even though obviously you're not straight so yeah. that you'll have just like faulty logic yeah very yeah just like no, no, no. anyway so his diaries are really important and one of the quotes that he has in there and he's talking about he's talking about a bunch of different things. He's talking about his own like body and person and also his relationships with other um, trans men and Mm -hmm. like romantic relationships, generally friendships. Um, But he has this quote that says, there's no limit to the kinds of relationships that we can have. This one I do know about my friendship. Ah, Yes, get it, get it. (laughs) Thank you. Because some of my some of my queer anarchist friends uh put it on a flyer for rape so that was great um there are no rules for the kinds of relationships we have and want to have which I think is really great and I think like that coupled with Dean Spade thinking about like looking at people trying to imagine what they look like to someone who loves them both of those things I'm like yeah like those are like political arguments and they're also like arguments for to me a like a world that allows space for desire to be like paramount right to like love openness affection to Mm. other people right and then also and like and like openness to be surprised by people to be like I don't know about you actually which I think now with like I don't know social media and a lot of other things like there's like I think there's a lot of possibilities that are foreclosed Mm -hmm. and so I think that the idea that there there are no rules and limits to the relationships you can have to someone and the relationships that you're allowed to want with someone mm. um is like yeah pretty it's cool ex- and it's expansive it is it is and so mm-hmm. I think like sometimes I like to do this lead up <laughs> with all these like you know whatever theorists or people who are like sure. are writing about politics also as a way to say and therefore 
we should have public sex <laughs> yeah <laughs> anarchy to everything a, yeah I mean it's not just about that the project well, how, that I yeah yeah no tell me it would have to be in like enclosed spaces for totally you right. know That's like you have the thing. like yeah, yeah, yeah kids and like stuff kids, yeah. exactly totally 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 but there is it's very tricky yeah and and I think the thing is or I'm like and again it doesn't have to be like literally I think well no, I don't want to I don't want to no, take the literal away from it because I was about to say like you know when I talk about public sex when like Delaney or um Jose Esteban Munoz is also another um queer theorist that a lot sure. of people love he has a book called uh Cruising Utopia that is also really important for a lot of people and it's thinking about well a lot of different things but like cruising queer embodiment as like you know I think we talk about it in like really academic ways right in terms of like performance studies or whatever sure. And I think he was one of the, and I know, you know, this is all just reading I did on my own. Uh, I'm listening. But he's he's one of the theorists who like took that like close study of like movement, right? Or like yeah. how you occupy space and applied it to things like cruising, like walking down, like how a queer person rock, walks down the street and makes eye contact with someone, how someone like flirts with someone else at a bar. Anyway, so I'll just say, that public sex can be a way of like moving through the world and not literally fucking on the street. And I don't want to betray <laughs> my ancestors and be like, no, no, Delaney meant literally. <laughs> Delaney did mean in a porn theater, like in a space, but like sure. did mean sure. that. Sure, um, sure, sure. Say, but... yeah, say more public sex in, in a way not okay yeah say more I'm just gonna let you continue yeah no no uh, I'm sure I'll just keep I could really just keep going on about this forever but um what do you mean by it yeah what do you mean by public sex then totally so I think I mean two things I mean literally spaces that are not private that have the possibility for for sex for fucking like a play space like a a kink play space sure or like you know, it used to be, again, I know that it's complicated. I personally don't think it's a bad thing. Um, but like public restrooms used to be a cruising place for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. And so, and I think it's easy to be like, oh, like, you know, like bars or like establishments. And I think that's true. Like that can happen. And it would be cool if spaces like that existed for people to also like explore their sexuality or whatever. And a lot of those spaces are actually private. Um, mm-hmm. It costs money to get in. Um, right. And like, not everyone has money. And you have to like know someone who knows someone, which makes it safer for sure. And it also like is already, we're getting into that territory of like only mm. interacting with people who you might already interact with. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I think that it's cool that like people might again, like cruise each other in a public park and yeah. then like maybe go to a house or maybe go, if they don't have a house, find an alley or something or like a covered place. But yeah. So I do, I do mean it literally. I would love for people to actually be able to have sex. And I do think it's also that, again, like broader thing of being like, what is sex? Sex is also like making eye contact, you know, and being like, and being flirty and being open to possibility and Mm -hmm. like knowing that that kind of like connection could happen. It's mostly that it's mostly the being open to possibility. Yeah. Um, Again, this is a thing that I think a lot of started as kind of a joke but it's deeply not a joke. I mentioned, I started to mention this before, but there's some folks in um, Minneapolis who are just doing excellent work. Excellent work. Mm-hmm. They, I don't know if they're totally anonymous, but it started that way. They put out a zine that again, just like made the rounds in some like 
queer and like at, I first saw it at like anarchist scene fairs I think but sure. they called make the golf course a public sex forest <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> and wow. it's, a, it's a manifesto yeah. to turn one of the golf courses in Minneapolis into a sex forest um and it was like I think about to be sold or like like I don't know there was some impetus where it was up in the air what was going to happen and they were like what if instead of turning this into a private expensive place where people can go play and like use a lot of pesticides what if this and like do you want to in my personal opinion, the most boring sport. Um, what if instead <laughs> it was this like pleasure garden where people could like, sure. you know, walk in and there were like consent practices everywhere and like it was understood. And if anything ha- bad happened, people would escort them out. And it's yeah. this like lush yeah. garden, totally, but also uncontrolled. And like right. there's gardens everywhere that like you can you know snack on while you're like meeting a lover but also you Mm -hmm. can like take the food home and it's a free garden and like just like all these possibilities yeah and again I mostly started as like extremely cheeky but people love the zine and then started applying it to their own cities and like yeah and like I get like it is joking but it is I think it's a way that I get I personally would love it if every golf course had that function I would love it great and again like there are so many (laughs) there are so many questions around like uh safety right or like children all these things and I think that like actually these spaces coming from a place of like again public being able to be like oh we can like self-regulate like maybe Mm. actually you don't need to have I mean I am going to some dangerous territory but like I think these ideas even it's just like a thought experiment way are coming yeah. from a uh, perspective of being like actually people can like look out for themselves or decide or there's like more agency than I don't know yeah than deciding something that's sure. like really private or like has a bunch of rules attached to it sure. um sure so I think there's a little bit more that me. yeah and so I think so there's that idea that again mostly a joke also not a joke um <laughs> and is making people think differently about public space actually yeah um and I think that again it's that kind of like and about and about a public being like mm-hmm. what does it mean to like meet people meet strangers do these really intimate things mm-hmm. in the public sphere and not have it just be a private thing I I think that that's and not shameful like there are yeah. so many things built yeah, into yeah. it that or like aspects that I think are again are like really easy to joke about or really easy mm. to be like you know for myself so I'm a nerd obviously and I like read about these things sure. and I have these other jobs and I also like write smut and like start yeah, yeah, yeah. like do a little porn stuff or like a little bit of porn stuff and like do like am part of some kink communities and like so it's easy for me to be over on this part of myself yeah and be sure. like like I'm a you know a flirt and like yeah. I love this slutty future for the queers da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. and then but the thing is I'm like oh and I also mean it like it's also not frivolous like I think it's great that it's like mm-hmm. joyful and like yes prioritize pleasure and like sure do all these things and it doesn't have to be that deep and then be like and actually like some yeah. of these ideas that we have around public pleasure around mm-hmm. possibility around mm-hmm. like connection outside of predetermined relationships or like yeah. uh I don't know stratific social stratification like sure. those are actually really important and are like bigger than just you know all these against my world is specifically a lot of queer and trans people but like 
you know, all these queer and trans people just having like whatever kind of bacchanalia, um, mm-hmm. it, it just is bigger. So that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I think it, I think it's super fun to dream. I know there's like a lot of specifics of like, yeah, how would this actually work out and be like a safe Absolutely. idea and totally. like make sure yeah, that yeah. everything was consensual and worked out and all those sorts of things. But it is fun to dream of like, the because dungeons and kink play spaces are still very like hidden it's -hmm. not like you just kind of like know even if you're trying to get into those you still have to do a little bit of digging to find out where can you do that in your city so like even if that sort of thing was brought out just a little bit bigger to have a space where it was you know like hey this is the intention with this space is freedom pleasure whatever that looks like for you as adults that can consent to this sort of space and and i think it's a big point. I mean, it's an interesting concept. I mean, sex is 100%, well, not 100%, but well, it's always a dichotomy right here. I go now. <laughs> sex is is private. Like the actual practice of it typically is so, so private, right? Where what we think of as sex is so private, yet it's in our face and advertising and all that sort of stuff. But like typically totally. the actual engagement in sex is a considered supposed to be private act. So it is an interesting thought. I mean, I think taking it into a public space requires us to challenge things like monogamy, typically those sorts of dynamics, a lot of, yeah, uh, heterosexual tendencies. Like, I mean, you're flipping dynamics here if you, when you're now watching other people interact mm-hmm. in sex and then like when you have a response, to, you know what I mean? Like that's turning up society in every single point. So I, it's fun to dream of a world where we would have that sort of freedom and society would kind of have this better relationship. Maybe I would say a more mature relationship to sex and pleasure. Definitely. And I think what's also interesting is like, even as you're saying that, and I, and I definitely agree, I'm like, oh, and what's cool is like people have been doing this and it's been private. Like I think Mm -hmm. again, this is, and there are so many things that are really murky and, and, yeah, that's specific. Uh, not not great yeah. about some of the like cruising culture of your um, mm-hmm. or like bar culture or whatever. But mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, and you know, as someone who is like not a cis man and like has I feel close to a dyke identity is how I usually identify myself. Like there weren't as many spaces like this for the dykes, but for yeah. gay men, like there again, public sex like was like sex wasn't always private actually really, and like they're almost to the point of you know harmful stereotypes but yeah that these kind Mm -hmm. of relationships like people really have been doing this and I think that it's or even things like I personally am excited about of like yes it challenges monogamy for sure and Mm -hmm. like also again like what kind of and people should you know can have whatever kind of relationship they want to any sexual intimacy but again it like challenge what challenges what sex is like yes 100 percent you know, like, and what intimacy is like, sometimes kissing is a whole lot more intimate than like someone using a glory hole. Like it's just Mm. depends. And in a way that I think is really cool, like for sure, challenging heterosexuality and even charging, uh, challenging like strict identity roles within like sexual subcultures, I guess it feels Mm. like a really dated term, but, um, sure, sure. Because I think like also these kind of more collective spaces are a space where, if we're talking about historically in play spaces or more like larger established play spaces or like sometimes bar culture, gay men and queer women like would have sex together or play together. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, and that's something that we don't even talk about. Like it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about anyway. it. Anyway. Yeah. It's exciting. Well, I think yeah. it's like, it's, it's a thing that happened. It's a thing that does happen. And I think that, that like, I don't the term community feels so 
empty a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. But I think that like this kind of connection across identity lines and like sexuality lines or whatever um, is really important because again, it's just like blurring categories and like separations, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's like foregrounding pleasure more so than it feels like collaborative or something. Mm -hmm. It's about the space, you know? It's like maybe you aren't primarily, if we're talking about like a traditionally like probably historically like cis gay man space and like some you know and they're like are queer women there and like they are having sex together like doing something together sure it's more about like what they're feeling in that moment and not necessarily like oh are you the kind of person I'm attracted to oh I probably wouldn't have sex or like play with you you're talking about kink spaces like I probably wouldn't play with you outside of this space Mm. but in this space I want to and it feels good and we can give each other pleasure even if you aren't explicitly attracted to each other if that Mm -hmm, makes sense mm -hmm, um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's about the energy more than the attract like physical or whatever attraction totally yeah which I think is really cool and brings us right back to the like collective versus like private in terms of like dating app stuff you know yeah Um, having connections with people based on like just curiosity and and connection sure and I'm sure the exhibitionist piece of your own identity comes out through all of this right like all of the publicness all of this Mm -hmm. like it's it's permeates it because for you that is where you feel all energy coming to you (laughs) it's true it's true it's funny I really like I was thinking about this recently because who knows what's gonna happen with COVID but the first few like play parties that friends of friends I know or like some people I know are starting to kind of happen Mm -hmm. you know and I remember and I I basically feel this every time um I'm in a play space but I'll kind of go in and like I am a person with a lot of social anxiety like I'm pretty I definitely am an extrovert I do get energy from being around people and I love to meet people but I get really anxious and I'm like yeah I'm really not sure and oh god and then there's you know there's always whatever embodiment stuff or being like am I you know it's like if you're feeling already anxious at least for me personally the like dysphoria can come in with this angry head and be like oh who am I I don't know um or like all this feels wrong and I can walk in feeling like oh god I might have a real bad time I am not sure I'm overwhelmed and while people are like kind of chatting or like when I'm doing like a one-on-one thing I'll feel kind of nervous and then as soon as people start playing I'm like, oh, I feel great. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like myself. I feel totally comfortable Mm -hmm. if I am like, yeah, being able to like, if I can be more of my exhibition self, like it feels almost easier if I'm like, oh, people are watching me or people can watch me rather than like walking in and being like, oh God, are people looking at me? You know, and it's that moment of reframing maybe, but intention, natural tendency. Yeah. The different intention. Totally. Yeah. Interesting. Tell me more of what that looks like. If you're like ideal moment of like, I felt the most empowered in this moment. Like, could you paint that picture for me? Oh my gosh. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> How much can I say? On this, you can on this say stuff? anything. There are no yeah. rules. Like there's Amazing. no rules here. <laughs> Go full deep. Okay, great. That's great. Yeah. Um, well, Visualize. the thing that I'm thinking of I guess this would be like the fantasy that is a combination of things of like experiences for me, but mm-hmm. I feel like walking in and being able to, you know, look around, make eye contact with people. They're like comfortable. There's a lot of activity going on. We're like meeting, maybe there's a, I am a sucker for in a play space or like a smaller gathering. 
um, mm -hmm. to have some kind of like opening circle of introducing yourself or like saying maybe what you're like looking to get into that night, not with a whole in-depth uh, processing that's not for me personally but for like intention setting being like I might be interested in you know one person's like I'm I'm really looking for a lot of impact tonight and yeah. someone else is like I'm really feeling like kind of docile and like a really sweet puppy and someone else is like I'm really playful or whatever and you can start mm -hmm. to do some kind of matchmaking or seeing what's yeah. going on so I like thinking about that and then mm -hmm. being able to like float I like to move around a lot and so like being able to float between different roles I like thinking about giving people sensation mm. um, and having people watch me that feels yeah. really great and like really beautiful and being able to tell whoever I'm playing with that like you know people are watching you mm. and they feel so lucky to see you so Ooh. that feels really good and then honestly like again as someone who like doesn't always feel great being really vulnerable and open mm. like I, I, I am naturally vulnerable and open yeah, but at yeah, least yeah. in play spaces I'm like oh I like you know don't bottom for everyone or whatever when I, when I imagine the ideal of some kind of, yeah, bottoming, which is like, you know, being more receptive is the scene that I had is just like people watching me and maybe like a couple people holding me, like maybe one person behind mm -hmm. me and like maybe one person kind of like holding my legs in a way mm -hmm. that's like kind of restraining, but not actually, it's more like supportive. And then for any like the smut that I make, I am a bit of a fisting evangelist. I think yeah. it's great. I think everyone should try tell it. Me. Um, yeah, tell me. No matter your anatomy, but um, mm. yeah, and and thinking about like someone fisting me or like maybe a couple different people, and it's this like collaborative effort of like yeah. witnessing how much my body can take and like feeling like people are watching me and really appreciating this, and that's the space where I feel like I can have more of a like. And this isn't even that necessarily playful. This is really, this is more of a heavy thing, but like really like release. And like, oh, yeah. you know, I've had situations where like in that setting, I'm able to like, you know, really cry or like, wow. and also in a way that's like really loving, like feeling really held in the room and feeling yeah. like this is a space where like everyone here, or like who wants to, who like wants to watch this or participate can like hold all of this big feeling and like, I don't have to hold it by myself, you know? And yeah, like, that's yeah. a moment. Exhibitionism and voyeurism, like, lets me have that space for, mm. like, asking people who are watching me to, yeah, to help me, like, hold things. Yeah, um, so vulnerable. Definitely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that vulnerability, like, being able to be, again, it's similar to the reckoning or whatever but being like I'm doing this like mm. and now you like you know hopefully want to witness this yeah, <laughs> uh, or like yeah. you definitely do want to because you're choosing it but also like that feels really powerful to be like I am mm -hmm. able to make myself this vulnerable and it is like, powerful yeah and so yeah so I feel like that that's one of my ideals um is this mm. kind of like collective experience that has to do with I guess witnessing you know sure. and I'm um, sure being in these spaces must have changed your understanding of relationships, including the your own, your relationship to yourself, I could imagine. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I'm not the, I mean, you know, I also don't, I'm not some expert at all. Um, but for my own experience, yeah, definitely being yeah. in being in play spaces that that is also a kind of public sex, even though again, it's like mm -hmm. in a private space, whatever. Sure. But, yeah. um, but that's how we talk about it right and that like and sometimes it's easy to forget to be like oh right like the first time that you know I walked into a play party I was like 
doe I mean I was like wide-eyed you know like really couldn't yeah this is so exciting like this is amazing and also it is like and it wasn't like you know again the queers are out here it's not everyone's like super buttoned up exactly but like seeing everyone intentionally you know be like having sex next to their friend who they're roommates with or whatever (laughs) and it's kind of like collaborative and like sweet you can have a really intense like emotional heavy experience like the one I just was explaining and then you can also be like you know fooling around with your friends or like figuring out different skills or like doesn't always have to be like whatever you think sex like Mm. intercourse whatever looks like like it can be you know you're seeing people like have sex in ways that you're not used to or you're seeing people touch people in ways that you're not used to and I think for yeah for me that was really important with thinking about different options for what I can do, different ways that I can be. Yeah, really thinking. I mean, I just am am so grateful for the many different parts of like your experience yeah. um, that are really important to me. Cause I think even outside of that, there is more conversation around like the different kinds of sex you can have, but, but being in those spaces too, for sure of being mm-hmm. like, Oh, like, you know, you could be having a really intense experience that it doesn't involve anyone's genitals. You can have yeah. a really intense experience. That's like, or like interesting experience. Right. And all of these sort of things I think are anarchy, right? When the quote unquote definition from society of sex is penis vagina, right? Like, and yeah, like, so anything beyond that, I consider like, we are trying to challenge the norm here when we are are having conversations about this, about like, yeah, what is sex? How can we expand that lens? And where can you learn about that for this is the play space, right? But if that's so private, then how are other people learning about different ways to show up in relationships, different way to have relationships and to enjoy relationships? We don't really get Mm -hmm. to see that when it's so private. So I think it makes sense. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And yeah, I have a friend who um, I look up to a lot and she'll often say something about, I usually, I mean, about a lot of different things, but one way that's exciting to me and relevant to this conversation is she'll talk about sex this way sometimes and be like, you know, be like, it could just be a lot more interesting Mm. than it is, you know, like not only like, Oh, like more pleasure or like more, even more affirming or something. Like it's not even necessarily in those terms. It's like, Oh, it can be interesting. You can be like Mm -hmm. doing something that's making you like think (laughs) in a way that's exciting to you, you know, or like is just kind of curious. Um, Say more. Yeah, well, I'm thinking about like, yeah, tell me. I don't know, some of the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> I just, sometimes there's times when I like, I feel like I'll joke with this about with like friends or, or lovers or like play partners or whatever and be like, can you believe that some people like, or like, what would someone who thinks that like, you know, penis vagina is the only kind of sexy or like that is what sex is? Like, what would they think if they saw this happening? You know, like whatever we're doing. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yes. Um, you know, but I have one friend who, um, and I don't know what this like turned into, but like, one thing that was super erotic for her was that like, you know, a lover was, um, is they're both nerds, they read a lot of books or whatever, but like, she likes a lot of pressure. And I forget it was some kind of power dynamic of like, she had to sit there through it or something, but yeah, her like lover was, was piling books, like heavy, Uh she's an academic and she was, uh, had all these books and she was piling them on top of my friend who was just getting like laid down and like, just like pressure all over her body and like I don't know what happened after that I'm sure that there's like also other things that were going on but like that was the main activity and that was the like sexy thing like that Mm -hmm. was really intense you know and it's like maybe oh I don't I literally don't remember what happened I like you know I was like maybe there was some like 
sexual touch like through tights or something Mm -hmm. but like it wasn't yeah like that was the thing that was super erotic or like you know I like have had friends again like jokingly but also not jokingly being like wow like someone's belly button is so erotic to me like wow do you think I could like fuck someone's belly button with my like tea dick like a Mm -hmm. uh, like dick that's like bigger with testosterone or whatever for someone who's trans and it's like again kind of a joke and kind of that Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you know or like this is something that I feel like is again almost a like inter-community like joke but is also real where like it feels very dykey to me but it's very queers generally um of being like oh my hands are my favorite sexual organ by far like absolutely you know Mm, and like mm -hmm. like they're so exciting and I feel like I could just like you know I have a friend who likes (laughs) one of the friends I mentioned were like one thing that she's amazing at is like taking out someone's whole fist in her mouth and I'm like wow you are incredible Mm. like how are you doing that the feeling of like having fingers down in in someone's body in whatever hole but like Mm -hmm. also one of the most erotic things of like having my like hand in someone's mouth is amazing to me like so and I'm like again in a really like whatever like cishet perspective I'm like that isn't sex at all that's like not even foreplay that's just like (laughs) yeah no for sure for sure I I, yes and I forget it I'm like wait what yes That's why the show exists because I think we need to bring these conversations to people who've never heard this. To people Definitely. Who are like, wait, what? Like, it can be way more expansive than this. And we're like, yes, it can be because, can, yeah. Sex, in, in my opinion, you know, what is sex? I've had that conversation sure. before and it's so hard to define, but it's like, totally. It's, it's adult consensual play, right? So, like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's playing with your bodies and sensations and having fun between two consenting individuals. Mm-hmm go at it you know what I mean like there's right. way more pleasure than just penis and vagina yeah and like being curious about your partner about yeah. yourself like oh yeah again things that I think are so hot and just are and I think this is especially true I feel this in a big way with like any kind of like I don't know like gender not conforming people with each other or whatever yeah. like a T for T but doesn't you don't have to identify as trans or whatever but like sure. is just this like fundamental curiosity of being like nothing is taken for granted I don't know how you like to be touched. Exactly. Like, even if your anatomy looks a certain way, yeah. I don't, I don't know what you yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. Totally. And like, A, I want to say, you know, great consent practices, but I'm like, damn, this should really be baseline. But like, you know, ask what someone wants. And also you get to like witness. So like one thing that I think, yeah, if we're talking about like, you need to think about, or like what sex, what is hot differently maybe, or like yeah. different options is I'm like, one of the hottest things to me is like mutual masturbation, right? Is like yeah. getting yourself off next to or in front of someone mm-hmm. with each other, like witnessing someone touch themselves. And I'm like, that is, again, I guess something that people wouldn't consider. Yeah. As, it's wild. Um, exactly. Yeah. But I'm like, it's so hot. Like you're mm-hmm. letting me witness how you touch yourself. Like that is amazing. It makes me so hot. I don't feel like left out or whatever. Yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. this is just like really beautiful. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. And that's like, right. I feel like it's just, if you're not allowing for that, there's just so much more, yeah, interesting kind of dynamics yes. you can have with people, pleasurable yes. for sure, but like playful, yes. like just not having anything be, yeah, mm-hmm. be a given. 
Yeah. And I think this is part of like the expansiveness that you were expressing yeah. earlier and I'm feeling a lot with you. And I think part of the queer deconstruction lens is frequently that like if we deconstruct these supposed ideals, we find out that there's a ton of space out there. Totally. And, and I think feel it. Definitely. Yeah. And I think that's something that I really want, like I try to do in so I like write smut stories mm -hmm. and, and make some porn and in all the writing I do, especially I'm like, well, in everything, but I'm really trying to leave room for that. Right. Mm -hmm. Of like what, of expansiveness of being like, maybe yeah. there is no like climax or like, yeah. maybe these are two people who you wouldn't expect. I only write queer characters, but I'm like, you know, maybe this is like, uh, self-identified, like trans fag and like a cis dyke or something, mm -hmm. or like, maybe this is. I don't know, or like some like high femme for high femme situation or something. But like, I like to have play with gender because again, that that's what's hot to me also yep. is yep. like, and it's fun and interesting. And these are the people who I'm hanging out with mm -hmm. um, and want to write for. Yeah. And to like, I, I want to be like writing these fantasies and like speaking these fantasies into the world. Cause again, it's mostly what I want to see, but I'm like, oh, other people should hear this too, you know, yeah, or like, yeah. and even things like, you know, the first one of the writers who made me want to write Queer Smut is Zan West, who passed, unfortunately, um, pretty young. And mm. um, he was a trans man um, who wrote a lot of smut with uh, with trans characters, lots of T for T, which is amazing. He has a lot of characters who are disabled and fat. Um, it's really, really great. And a lot of his books are out of print, unfortunately. But I remember when I read his work, he was one of the first writers who I read who was like, you know, had trans people and like, well, yeah, most of his characters are trans, but like talking about like, you know, literally anything can be a cock, anything can be a clit, like anything can be like whatever kind of hole you want, you know, and like, like, yeah, there's no rules for how you need to interact with people. There's also no rules for language, like you can just use whatever. And I think it's cool, again, even in, in my own work, being able to be like, oh, I'm just going to use this word for this person's anatomy. And like, you're going to roll with it and you're going to mm -hmm. figure it out. And maybe you're not going to actually super know mm -hmm. like what it looks like exactly, but you actually don't need to know. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And you can like imagine this. And I think that there are like, yeah, one thing I should have made a list of people to shout out, but like there <laughs> are like really cool um, yeah. writing and like queer porn out there that I think oh, yeah. is like, again, we talk about it in terms of like, just, I mean, I think, and I hope that people are watching it to get a lot of pleasure, maybe to get off, to get turned on, et cetera. And mm -hmm. I'm like, to imagine new worlds. Like, I think that like- It's art, yeah. Yeah, like, I think it really can be. And yeah, and I think that that's mm -hmm. like amazing. One of my favorite, okay, well, one that I will <laughs> shout out is that um, Aorta Films is really amazing. They're like, uh, they're a queer porn company. Yeah, yeah. Um, they make really amazing work. Didn't they're Z great. Great Z. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I was just Z gonna say Z does with work them. with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Z does work with them. So many people I love and admire have done work with them. Again, like I actually don't think I can think of a scene that doesn't have someone who's trans in it, which is amazing to me. Yeah. They make really gorgeous queer porn that's like hot mm -hmm. and beautiful. beautiful. And I think yeah, they yeah. Yeah, they have some really exciting projects coming down the line too mm -hmm. that are also like looking at, yeah, supporting like other content creators too, or like, you know, independent creators, which is really cool. Awesome. Um, but so they're great. And then another project um, called Four Chambers is also some like arty porn. Yeah, which mm -hmm. I, you know, I love personally and I'm a sucker for it. I'm like, and in no way to like look down on other, because there's also like 
really amazing people making work that's not necessarily RD or whatever, sure, like high sure, production sure, value. Sure, sure. And I think yeah. that that's like equally as important, but these are ones that are like feel easy to shout out right now because it's all yeah. in one place. But there's this Definitely. one film that they have that's so hot and it's called mm-hmm. Archetype with, I forget the other person's name, but one of the performers is Devorah, I think. It's a T for T, like trans mask or trans mask scene they're kind of wrestling they're working with like archetypes of porn and in it they both I think it's a tea shot I don't think it's gel but it's they like give each other a shot of testosterone um in it and it's so erotic it's so hot and like yeah and it's also this moment that's like it's like a really beautiful shot you know Mm. and like we're talking about penetration like that's also penetration it's amazing and to be able to see that as like again something that like whatever in like cis hetero world is like so deeply not sexy mm-hmm. and make it be like not only is this like an option for you we're going to celebrate how fucking hot trans people are we're also going to like say that this like act can be super intimate and mm-hmm. like erotic like that is yeah. amazing that's yeah. so good yeah. um it's creative and it's, it's such a power exactly what you were talking about throughout i th- feel like this whole conversation like that framing of power of like yeah i'm gonna take this to celebrate and be sexy this is my space to take up and decide the meaning of hell yeah yeah, yeah. totally totally yeah <sighs> i think it's really really cool yeah I want to hold some space to you as we close. I always like to check in and make sure that there wasn't anything before coming into today that you were like, I really wanted to talk about this that maybe we didn't hit to during our time. Totally. I know. I'm really trying to think of it now and I can't. <laughs> That's okay. I always check and there's, it's totally fine if there's not. <laughs> um, not specifically um I do I do have a closing question as well so like I can go to that as well okay that's great so then one question I ask everyone on the podcast is what Mm -hmm. is one thing that you wish other people knew was more normal take it anywhere your brain I know you're creative and very intelligent from our (laughs) conversation so take it and fly (laughs) more normal um which I know is normal no 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 that's that's great though I feel like because I feel like the question is really like what's something that like you know it's not just you who's experienced exactly yeah um I mean the thing that feels very basic but does feel like important to me right now at least also is I'm like yeah this feels like a really pat answer but I think it does apply to a lot of people which is like I think it's more normal to like play with some gender shit than you think Mm -hmm. it is you know and I think that can mean that can go in a bunch of different directions where I'm like like for cis people especially for cis straight people I'm like I just wish for you for your own sake that like I just really think you deserve you know to be able to I'm like I just bet that there's some stuff that you want to play with or like are interested in and it's just like not weird um it's in fact great Yes. Much more interesting Mm -hmm. um, than to not be curious about those things. So I really hope for that. And there's more I could say on that. And then for queer people too, I think this also applies, you know, and this is speaking from my own experience of like coming into queerness being like really, you know, coming from like the lesbians, bless them and I love them. Um, Mm -hmm. But like into more of a dyke identity too, you know, Mm -hmm. which feels feels different. But um, I'm sure it is. Yeah. And being like, I you know, being uh, afraid of like, of being like, oh, if I want to play with different gender things, like, does that mean that I'm like, 
you know, yeah. Yeah. playing into something. And I'm just like, that. don't stress about it. Like, do not stress about it. Yeah. <laughs> You're fine. And like, A, yes, maybe it does mean that like, maybe in any of this, like, Maybe it does mean that you are like exploring your gender. Maybe you're not cis. Like that's mm-hmm. really important. I wish that more people would explore that. And I'm like, it actually doesn't even have to be about that. It can be about roles. Like mm-hmm. maybe again, daily in your life. I wish you would, I wish people would explore these things. And if we're specifically talking about like in a sexual context, like, you know, like if you want to be, if you're like a really masculine person who like kind of wants to be a little girl or like mm-hmm. use like feminine language or like do things that are like yeah. more considered feminine like you get to do that and it doesn't have to be it can be something that's like trickling over into every part of your life but it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. you could be like yeah you can like play with lots of different roles and it doesn't I guess yeah. that's that's more of it is being like yeah you can play with a lot of different roles and it doesn't have to be yeah it like doesn't have to be scary or bad or Mm -hmm. like some like deep I don't know Freudian truth about yourself like sure you just get to play and like I think that's so important and I think so many people yeah don't feel like they have the space to do that and there's a bunch of reasons for that but yeah but I just I wish for more people to be able to right and and I feel like I hope society is getting to a point where we understand the baseline that gender is a social construct. You know, I hope we're getting there closer. And I feel like once we can accept that, then it's pretty much like, okay, well, then all the pre-assumed notions of what it means to be a gender and all those various things, like there is no hold or chain on us anymore with these things. You can live freely and play with things. There's more space. Exactly, exactly. And it just means, I think that there's a lot of, um, again, specifically if we're talking in a like sexual context, I think that there's a lot of kind of experimentation and like interesting. And like, again, we were talking about different ways of having sex. And I, again, feel really blessed that like the world I'm coming from, that is not an anomaly and it's not considered strange. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that if you're coming from a different world, you know, having a kind of sex that doesn't involve your genitals or like involves one part of your body more than another or something or like you don't use your body at all or like whatever like I imagine that that could have it could feel like it has like really big implications for like who are you what does this mean about Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know yourself as a person as a as a sexual partner as a totally like as your gender like or whatever and yeah and I think that like that's too bad for sure and I feel like that's at least personally with me, that's something that I've seen in my own practice as I've d- taken on different sexual encounters, right? To, so I'm, I'm sure that is true because yeah, when I take on new roles and it's always like, well, who am I with this new role? And it's, you have to incorporate it in some way. And I think exactly what you're saying is like kind of along that path as you start to realize that you have more expansiveness also in your capabilities as your personality I don't know if that's Completely. the right way to say that like you can try on different roles play out oh different my characters god and like enjoy that and still have a complete whole sense of self you Definitely. have different relationships that take on different roles different dynamics exactly. and we see that in some smaller scales with other things like when we see parenting versus like jobs versus friends and people bring out different pieces of themselves right but totally. I think we just need to continue to expand 
what those different roles are that we can take. And I think you've talked about that in such a brilliant way. I just want to thank you for all of the knowledge that you had, all of the resources, <laughs> like left, right. This is so oh my God. Yeah. I'm so glad. Yeah. And I yeah. also like, just to say that, you know, my response to that question is also totally coming from my own, like, yeah, you know, struggles with that. Exactly. Yeah. And like setting my own limitations. Absolutely. You know, and like, yeah, like for closing certain like dynamics or or like experimentation or whatever yeah. because of a whole lot of insecurities. And yeah, and I think again, like as much as possible, leaning into that, just being like curiosity and expansiveness yes. and like, yeah, not being like so worried about things being so like fixed in place that like if anything shifts them, then like you will shatter into pieces and mm. you just won't. So yeah. I think, or if you do, maybe it's towards something that's a little more fluid and then you won't next time. Yep. That's um, where I've been getting, just keep more and more fluid. Amazing. It, feels, it yeah. feels nice to have that little space instead of trying to put yourself into a box all the time. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to. It's a, it's a world that really wants to do that for people. <laughs> yes. So. yes. Yes. I feel that. Well, this has been such a pleasure. I really enjoyed getting to just like walk with you through all the thoughts of your mind. It was so much fun. I mean, this is my sort of conversation, anarchy, (laughs) queer deconstruction, and what a sex. This is great. (laughs) Is there anywhere you want to plug for people who want to connect with you and find out more about your work? Sure. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Right now you can find me on social media. Um, So my name is Gem Cut, or that's the name that I use for smut stuff. And my socials are Gem Smut. So it's close, but different. Um, And my Instagram is at gem.smut. So Instagram is where I have more writing. Twitter is a little more naked on the internet. Um, Love it. Exhibition is coming out. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you can find me there Um, and you can see my fantasies, but that's at gem underscore smut. Yeah. And one thing that I would like to plug right now, there's some projects in the work that works that will be coming down the line, but one thing that has been a long time coming and related to what we talked about today Mm-hmm. is um I really love the queer archive you know generally uh and I won't get into it because that I could also <laughs> but one thing that's present in a lot of archi- queer archives because stuff often got destroyed you know um yeah, is matchbooks left over from queer bars mm-hmm. and matchbooks are great I love ephemera generally and mm-hmm. like they're also a cruising device so people yeah. used to and I hope they still will uh like write their number on the inside of matchbooks and then give them to people but anyway I've been making these matchbooks <gasps> Wow, look at that. It's <laughs> um, so cute. Yeah, so they say Dyke Dreams on them and they have my name on the back uh, with an email address um, and the city that I'm in as a like stand in for a gay bar and a way to get in touch and a number on the top that people can call uh, to leave a fantasy and maybe I'll write a story. Mm-hmm. And in this each of the matchbooks, yes, in each of the matchbooks, there's a little story, a smut story that's like folded up on vellum paper that's like sort wow. of similar to rolling papers very yeah. fun yeah thank you um but there's like I think right now there's seven different stories they're tucked inside cool. and these are things I've been making for a minute and I've been leaving them really I was just like giving them to friends sure and like bringing them to play parties I brought them to you know New York Pride and then gave them out to strangers cool. and like cool. left them at you know some collective living places in the gay woods in Tennessee and like scattering with friends um but now I am finally 
distributing them more intentionally and I'm selling them for right now. It might shift because they, I think they met their fundraising goal, but um, yeah, I'm selling them sliding scale. Like I think cool. it's two to $6 right now. Um, and all the funds go to benefit um, Serenity House, which is mm. a project in Philly. It's a drop-in center for um, street-based um, sex workers and like women and trans and queer people who, yeah, who are involved with the like intersection of like, or who live at the intersection of um, houselessness, uh, yeah. street-based sex work and like drug use um, mm-hmm. and like people who use drugs. And it's like a yeah, drop-in center yeah. that is, yeah, all like run by community. Um, nice. And it's really cool. And like a yeah. really great resource and really necessary resource. So mm-hmm. they're just kicking things off. They have a a new space that they're trying to support. So yeah. all the money goes there. And then if they meet their fundraising goals, um, it'll, it'll go to other orgs to support, uh, yeah, sex workers. So hell yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's a great way to give back. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I don't know people want the matchbooks. Like we'll see. I don't, sure. they don't cost almost nothing to make. And like, I'd love to support and people have been interested. So that awesome. is, if anyone wants a matchbook. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Kind of Happy does. to support. <laughs> Amazing. and like you know keep in touch would love to connect yes, um, yes with anyone interested in um yeah doing doing projects and talking about talking about queer smut always hell yeah sounds good well thank you so much I really want to appreciate you I yeah. really appreciate you for the time that you've spent on the podcast with me today totally thank you so yeah. much and thanks for doing this project of I'm course so that it's out there yeah it's very fun it's very fun I If you enjoyed today's episode, then leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're a part of the anarchist community, then follow us on Instagram or nominate a guest for the show by sending in a letter to modernanarchypodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.